0: Super excited to be welcoming Miles Vining back to the show, man. Thank you again for coming. <laughs> in Both the flesh. In the flesh. <laughs> this is so cool.
1: Well, thanks so much, Vic. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to come on board.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think last time we talked to you, you were in Afghanistan, is that correct? And we, we were uh, we had gotten on a, on Teams connection.
1: I was in I was in Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you, yeah, yeah, Ukraine we talked about, we talked about Afghanistan, Afghanistan and Afghanistan, Ukraine. Yeah, your we're, we're life is so
0: <laughs> interesting. It's hard to keep track of what's going on, but yeah. So we definitely want to touch a little more on uh, on that. But what brings you to Modern Day Marine? How's things going so far for
1: you? Um, I'm I'm coming to Modern Day Marine um, now that I'm based in the Virginia area. Um, meeting with various people here, talking about various situational awareness devices that are out there. Okay. Something that I'm getting into in the sort of. Uh, using a, a DoD program called ATAC, and then how it uh, how it um, and I used it in in Ukraine as well, using it for enhanced situational awareness in terms of what's happening around you, better team tracking, um, better geospatial um, understanding of the environment around you, and there's just is this whole ecosystem that sort of sprung up around TAC within, within the DOD, but also outside of the DOD in private industry as well. And various different solutions. There's firefighters getting into it. There's law enforcement getting into it. Um, I'm getting into it from a relief humanitarian perspective and also um, a media security perspective, which is what I was using it for. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what brings me here now and yeah. trying to see all the different devices and the hardware and the gear that works with it. A bunch of them are here. Um, you've got companies like iGov, Persistent Systems, Aries Defense, a couple of these other groups. And that's my, my primary interest. In addition, to, I mean, modern day Marine is always such a, a big deal in the expo world. You always oh, got to sure. make sure you, you got to tick your um, expo boxes to go to, right? Yeah. So
0: well, um, and so when you're, you're talking about this um, enhanced situational awareness, are we talking like sensors or we you talking like sort of almost like a blue force tracker sort of thing or yes to both or?
1: Yes to both okay. and more. Okay. Um and that's the crazy thing about tac. It's this DoD created but open source available in the wild to everybody and it's an open source thing that's compatible with if you're so, if you're a software developer and you can, you know, tinker here and there civilians can make their own plugins that once they get signed off by the TAC product center, then they can get incorporated into it. So if you have a plugin for whatever you want, you can insert it into it. So yes, you can, you know, you can use it to track other people on it on an LTE connection or using things like satellite communications or using these various radios and mesh networks and sending your location securely over radios. So yeah, you can use it for that. You can also use it to see when a hurricane is billowing in. You can see, you know, um, firefighters are using it to track fires and their teams around it. I was using it in Ukraine to fu- to make sure I was understanding where the Russian lines were and then where the axes of advance were, what roads were cut off, you know, pinning different uh, checkpoints and block points and yeah. stuff like that, um, and then to track the team that I was working with there as well. So it's, it's an open-source ecosystem that is honestly, you know, whatever you want to use it for. Cool. Yeah.
2: Last time we spoke to you, you were in in Ukraine, and you couldn't really talk about Ukraine because you know the Kremlin was obviously listening in on us because we're <laughs> we're highly we valuable, sensitive had, information like, at MCA scuttlebutt. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, dozens, <laughs> dozens. But uh, so, mm-hmm. do you mind telling me, uh, audience, like what were you doing over there? What were your experiences like? What were your observations?
1: Um, yeah, I was um, I was working for. I'm a security company that I was working with um, a media company, so I was a security advisor for them. And my job was to work with the journalists, um, my journalist team that was assigned to me, and um, plan, advise, consult, and then also um, uh, drive for them. Yeah. Um, be on the lookout for them. I mean, because journalists have a tendency in, in conflict zones and anywhere they get very tuned into the story. So my job was to be there, be like, okay, well, what what else are we missing here? You know, what are the security concerns? Both from an enemy perspective, but also from something as simple as, "Hey, we might want to step away from that down power line because we don't want to get electrocuted today." <laughs> um, coordinating back with our with our talk, so to speak, and saying, "Hey, you know, we're going to go hit up this area for this story of interest. We're going to go over here. This is the risk level. This is what's acceptable. This is what we want to do." Um, get, you know, and work in that comms piece, yeah. which. Uh, Satcom and radio came into play, and that's why TAC was very important to me in in figuring out what we were doing and going where. Um, and that was that was my job from um, May to October yeah. l- last year. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and I know you've got you know we've l- talked a lot about your experiences working with Free Burma Rangers. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I, I misspoke earlier about Afghanistan, but you're working in Tajikistan with Afghan refugees, or at least trying to facilitate the refugee. Um, or the displaced people there. Um, what were some of your things like, I know because your, your worldview is very um, compassionate and open-hearted, like how did that feel for you to be sort of on this security detail, seeing really all of this chaos around you? Like did it sort of galvanize your want to sort of be like, running toward the chaos or oh can, yeah what was some of that How, what were some of your experiences
1: yeah i mean i really i really enjoyed being that security advisor um because it it occupied a neutral space so mm-hmm. to speak mm-hmm. we weren't i mean yeah the russians would love to would have loved to smoked a news team here and there and sure. say it was just an accident because i mean we're the people that are... I mean, the news teams are the, are the guys that are, you know... You're going against the narrative. Man. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're showing the atrocities. We're showing the graves. We're showing this and everything. And I'm not going to say... Well, I'm going to say we is that I helped facilitate that. I'm not doing that. But I'm kind of... I'm, I'm not in the media space, so I'm not the one on the camera. Well, I'm facilitating it. Yeah. So. I'm on the one on the security side, but I really enjoyed it because it was a very neutral space. Mm-hmm. So I got to see a part of the Ukrainian... The war in Ukraine from a, from a point of view that's very diff- that can be difficult to get to. Yeah. I mean even if you're on the Ukrainian side it's like you still you still see only your little piece. Maybe if you're in the Ukra- like if you're in the ZSU the Ukrainian army it's like you only see your little part of the front line or if you're a humanita- or if you're a humanitarian you only see your little sector that you're helping. But as a security advisor I was supporting our teams in Kyiv, in Zaporizhia, in Kharkiv, in Donbass, in uh, Kramatorsk. So I got to go all over the country. I got to see so much of the country, so many of the elements in the war. From from you know doing a story that we do a story with law enforcement, and then embed with the unit, or then go to you know an artillery unit, and then go to a humanitarian side. So I got to see so many facets of the war um, that I got to really take in, and I really really enjoyed that. And and it, and It really um, sort of uh, reinforced my interest in wanting to be at that point in friction yeah. and wanting to be that sort of um, wanting to be a player that can make a difference in that high risk um, environment for a better good. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: What. Um, what was it like then uh, for you to see this conflict happening? In a place where, uh, like, we had a guest on yesterday He was in uh, Ukraine helping out, and he said that some of them, the guys would like take Ubers to the front line. Oh, yeah. I mean, so to have, yeah. and I think it's a concept for us as Americans that we don't really quite gather that, dude, this is, the, these are guys not just fighting for their homeland, in many mm. cases, they're fighting for their homes. Like, the front, is that close you can just uber to it if you need to
1: yeah so in his case he was probably talking about a service called blah blah car which blah blah cars is, is you know i i had i left a pair of binoculars behind um in either poland or somewhere and i actually had somebody get on blah blah car and i paid them like 300 hryvnias to take binoculars from poland to me in kiev and i was like okay where are you going to after that and he's and the guy the driver looked up to me and was like dude, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to go fight. Like, my, <laughs> oh, my unit's yeah. in Donbass. Like, because blah, blah, blah works by people saying, yeah, I'm driving this way anyways. Throw me, a, throw me oh, some no cash, okay. and then I'll take this little item to you, or, or you can drive people or dude, something.
0: that's amazing.
1: But that's, like, every day, you know, in, yeah. in the Ukrainian context. Um, and it definitely is, you know, a, a groundswell um, of support I mean, in terms of the entire country is at war from yeah. the very bottom to the very top. And in terms of, you know, people are act fighting for their land. I mean, you got videos of Ukrainian soldiers. Like, there's this one famous video of this guy. He's, like, just running into a village. And, like, he just throws down his AK and just, like, picks up his son. And, like, because that's his village. And that was under Russian occupation. And now they've just liberated it. And now he's, like, running towards his kid, right? But that's, oh like, you cannot you cannot compare that. And, like, you cannot yeah. compare that very much in the American context. I mean, you have examples of... Maybe, like, American Afghans or American Iraqis who are going to Iraq or Afghanistan. You know, they're in a place where they formerly lived or something like that. But that is so rare and hard to connect to sure. as, as, as Americans and Ukrainians. It's like, no, that's the reality of what they're doing, you know. Um, and you have just, you know, you have, like, tra- you know, tragic stories and stuff of, I mean, like, one of my friends there, it's like his, his parents lived in uh, Kherson, and when the offensive was coming, they didn't know what like they couldn't run towards the ukrainian side so they ran towards crimea and it's like uh, cuz i was like great kherson's liberated how are your parents and he's like my parents are actually in a worse situation than they were before cuz they didn't want to be in kherson doing yeah. a, like a full on urban battle right. so they ran to crimea but they don't want to be in crimea either yeah you Russian know so, so you occupied yeah. yeah so you have that kind of that dichotomy of tragedy in that sense right um, but, yeah, it's just a, a groundswell of of support and of fighting. I mean, you have, um, you know, people just put, you know, numbers online and they say, hey, like, this unit needs this or we need this amount of drones or, you know, this guy's family, this guy has just been killed. Like, here's the, here's the number to donate to his mono bank in Ukraine. And people just, like, donate the funds and stuff like that. So Jeez. you have that happening at so many different specters of society. Yeah. Um, it's something we have. Utterly no idea about in the right. U.S., actually. You know, it's, it's
0: hard to even conceive of it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, other than, you know, obviously you having been in war and now sort of on the, I don't want to say the outside looking in, but not in, as a, in a uniformed, like you don't have a mission, an objective, mm-hmm. you're not following orders per se. Uh, but even for me, like that's hard to conceive of yeah like, to re- like yeah. i obviously like ideologically i get it or theoretically i get it but like to really try to put myself in those foot pr- foot uh into those shoes man that's it's a, a hard thing to do. as someone who's <laughs> done
2: significant research in military history as well as having fought in a war yourself how what were some of the, i guess the the big standout characteristics of the changing character of war that you
1: witnessed well while, while in ukraine i the the thing that makes me the changing characteristics and looking at the the fight um Ma- makes me kind of fear for the u s and makes me makes me really want to sort of bring the message home um for for nato and but more for for our military is that we are we are not the 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 context that is happening in ukraine i mean it, the the best way to put this i think is one time i was I was talking with one of my uh security advisor colleagues about like foreign volunteers coming to help and you have all these fallen volunteers who show up and they're like you know, I got this many deployments in Afghanistan or I'm this or I'm that or I'm an, uh, an 18 Delta yeah, or I got I'm this SF, challenge whatever. coin
0: and I got the T-shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got all this stuff. And one of the we made a little joke right there. We were like at the recruitment center, like coming into Ukraine. The first question on the checkboard should be like, were you in World War II?" No, noted, you know. And it's funny, but it's like the, the meaning of that is like, do you, do you know? OK, you have all this stuff. Do you know? Can you fight in a trench? Can you fight against uh, can you work with anti-air? Can you work with main battle tanks coming down on your position? Can you work with hordes of Russians and Wagnerets like coming at you? Like this is the reality of a full-scale modern war. I mean, the last the last generation of Americans who knew how to fight this are now all from the Second World War. Right, it's right. like how did you how did you work a combined arms infantry, you know, tank aircraft artillery then anti-air and now cyber well plus yeah, cyber and stuff space and you know all yeah. that thing multi-domain uh, spectrum right it's like how do you, how do you do that and suffer tons of casualties and still win you know and that's something we don't know how to do we mean yeah. you know, we plan for it and we have all these exercises but it's like we don't we we cannot grasp the reality of it and I, and I wish we were I wish we I wish we could be more in tune with it cuz I feel like there's like an attitude from the U S side of saying like, Oh, that's happening over there. That doesn't really affect us, but I'm kind of concerned. And it's like, you know, when, when first platoon is gone, it's like, well, what do you do now? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we're not used to that. And you have a lot of, you have a lot of foreign volunteers. I mean, to include myself, um, who went over there who were like just blown away. And you have a lot of guys who were there and said, you know, the Ukrainians, they stuck me on this outpost on this OP and it was a suicide mission. And it was like that. And it was like, yeah, it's a suicide mission if, you, if all you know is 24-7 support and air support and everything, and you've got all the elements stacked up behind you. Yeah, that's a suicide mission. But guess what? The entire Ukrainian front line is on a suicide mission. It's mm. like, that's modern war. It's like, you know, you're holding this. You know, it's, no, you're going to go and hold that hill, and you're going to hold it until you die. Yeah. And that's how that works. There's no support. We might try to send some reinforcements to you, yeah. but guess what? You need support, and every other position on this front line needs support too. Yeah. It's like so
0: destruction criteria. What is that? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> just because I'm down to seventy percent doesn't mean I'm going to stop fighting. Exactly. Right. You know, and
1: we're not we're not used to that, and that's something that we're going to have to get used to if we're going to go up against. Or if nothing you know, else, anything.
0: because you know, I, you know, I'm not trying to be prophetic or read any tea leaves here, but most likely we'll be fighting on somebody else's turf Mm -hmm. and so we need to understand or at least start to come to grips with that mentality that for many folks that we're going to come in contact with and have conflict with that is going to be their reality Mm -hmm. and so we can't just think that well i'll do uh, some sort of bombardment and they'll drop them down to 65 percent and then of course they'll capitulate (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying like yeah see a lot of these guys are going to die in place man
1: exactly so that's um and that's just like a reality that we don't we we don't know what that's like. The yeah, last right. uh, the last Americans to fight something like that was the Korean War and the Second World War. Second World War yeah. more so because it has that element of maneuver warfare with air and tanks and everything. Yeah. Um but Well and also too yeah. we
0: got so used to um this idea or this enemy that was focused on the long fight. Mhm. So they knew that they were on their home turf so they could withdraw and just sort of tap our resources until we got tired of being there and then would, would take off, right? And so, but now we're looking at a near peer competitor that is gonna go toe to toe with us. Mm-hmm. And so that is also a dynamic I don't think we're necessarily really come to full grips with yet. Yeah, yeah, Whereas, yeah. Whereas like obviously in Ukraine, Russians clearly took that for granted and here they are almost you know 18 months later
2: yeah, yeah it's, you know, a three-day special military operation has evolved yeah. into a paramilitary company moving on Moscow. Like <laughs> this is whoever's writing the script for this is uh, <laughs> has gone batshit crazy. Dude, I was
0: with William yesterday. That like I went sort of on a news fast because I've just had this like Chicken Little, the sky is falling thing. So mm-hmm. I went off the net for like three days, and then I got back on. I think it was Sunday night. And I'm like. What Dude, the, the world ended and I missed it? Yeah. Like, what is happening? Like, yeah. we had an insurrection that then went, was not one, and now, you know, the head of the Wagner group is on the run to, like, yeah. it was, mm-hmm. dude, anyways, I digress big well, time. But.
1: Well, that's like the, and the Ukrainians took it with such an amazing sense of humor because Ukrainians just also have this awesome yeah. sense like of exactly. humor, and the whole country just ma- started making fun of the Wagner thing and as, like, they were, like, eating popcorn and watching it, like, oh, what's going to happen next? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you cool, know. we
0: get a couple hours off here while they try to deal with this insurrection.
1: Exactly. And I was the same way. I was mounting, mounting. as like, every little thing. Like, oh, they took Rostov. Oh, they're going, oh, they shot an M.I.A. out of the sky. Wow, let's keep it up, guys. Like, I hate you, but you're doing a good thing. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then it's like, oh, Wagner turns around. I'm like, no. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it is
0: sort of, It was sort of, like, I could imagine because I didn't catch it to the end. But, yeah. like, I don't want to root for you. <laughs> But yeah. I kind of. I don't. To I don't know,
2: know. I was googling like because I live in Fauquier County, Virginia, it's like blast zone of Washington <laughs> D.C. I'm like, okay, I just bought a house further out. Maybe I gotta go. Maybe work on my on the house this weekend. Yeah. Like, I was, I was like uh, russia You know, as much as I don't like Putin, a Russian civil war does not sound like no. a good time. No, I, I mean, Yeah, mean,
0: we've dealt with plenty of power vacuums. One in Russia probably doesn't do well for like the global scale. At this global scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, Miles, dude. So, just to remind uh, our listeners, uh, you authored the book uh, into the helm into Hellman with the Walking Dead. F- absolutely fantastic book. Um, you work. We talked about your work with Free Burma Rangers. Um, you've also got a blog post. You um, obviously you know left the Marine Corps. Now you're transitioning into Air Force Reserve. Um, you're here uh, looking at, I mean, you are the man of transition. Like, what can our <laughs> listeners sort of take from you other than this idea of, like, just don't give up? I mean, it's really easy to say grow where you're planted, but, like, what sort of, what what's that driving force for you? Like, what what sort of? Other than, you know, maybe coffee, like what gets you out of bed? Which I don't even think you do coffee, right? You're just naturally driven. like no. how
1: I do coffee. I do coffee for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, in terms of transitioning for, for, for guys getting out of the fleet, they're retired or EASing yeah. kind of thing, like is that is that the point of view? Is that the no, perspective? No, just for anybody because, know. you know,
0: we go through, like, you know, obviously uniform members go through PCS go through, you know, you're going to leave the service at some point, but the other of our listeners, like, I'm going to change jobs, or I'm going to move locations, or Mm -hmm. my parents are getting older and sick, and now I've got to uproot, or I'm getting a new kid, I wasn't expecting a kid, you know, or like, all of these things, like, we're just in a world of transition, but you seem to be, I don't want to necessarily, I don't want to downplay and say you're embracing it, but you definitely are, like, continuing that march towards chaos, in a very mm. admirable sort of way, I just wanted to see kind of pick your brain a little bit on
1: that. I, I think, um, well, I think there's this quote from uh, from David Goggins that that really stood out to me in uh, a podcast. I mean, we talked about it with Joe Rogan, right? He said this thing where it's like, um, um, like, wh- what do he say? He said something to the extent of um, he he preload like he preloaded life because someone was like. Oh, your knees are shot, man. Like, you no, have no cartilage left. There's, like, uh, what are you going to do? Now you can't run anymore because, you're like, you're, you're, you're literally grinding bone on bone. And he's like, I'm fine because I preloaded. I did the hardest stuff I could when I was younger so I can not rest later, but it's like I did everything I could to take advantage of, right? I mean, no, that just kind of drives me a lot these days okay. in terms of um, – you know what can I do what can I do now that I will never be able to do again yeah. later that's something that's really driving me um, I think these days a okay. lot in terms of you know I need to do I need to do do the things be in, be involved in the activities and the whatever that is um, that I can do now that I won't be able to do later like someday I will not be able to go out and run someday I will not be able to travel overseas someday I will not be able to be as mobile or this or that. And I wanna do everything that I can now, so I can't later. So in terms of like jobs or, or transitioning things or education stuff, it's like, what are those things I can do now? And I want, and right now I'm sort of stuck in my life in terms of, okay, there's these things I wanna do, but I can always do those. But there's these things over here that I can't always do. I will not be able to do that, so I wanna do that now. So that that's sort of influencing like going going back into the okay. service for me and looking at other opportunities and really just pushing forward and just I don't know I'm I'm kind of so, some people some people hate this about me in terms of I can be very persistent like I I think like there is a guy who um, we were I was traveling with him going uh, I was waiting for him to get off he was in a different he was in two six I was in one nine and he was waiting to get off his. Um, uh his his uh, safety brief for the weekend <laughs> yeah. and i was already off i was ready to go yeah, and yeah. we were both going to, to dc and i just called him like 26 times in a row <laughs> 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 i was just persistent yeah and he was he and i eventually came back he's like dude why did you call me so much i was like i was persistent because you, like, you weren't answering <laughs> yeah you weren't answering i wanted to go to dc and you were my ride you know and he was like dude like my phone was Vibrating in yeah. my pocket for like, like 30 minutes. Really straight.
0: Brief, right? Yeah, exactly
1: But it's just my, my but that's my sort of yeah. attitude just persistence Just go yeah. go and just keep pushing and keep pushing and then you run I run up against the door and it's closed or this is closed or that I, I don't care. I'll just keep knocking yeah. and keep going um, so That's more kind than of been just
0: like embrace the suck like you really sort of Going forward, like more proactive. Sort of I,
1: I think so. so yeah, yeah. And that's just my sort of idea, and just yeah. and just and just pushing forward, and just don't stop, and just not stop pushing. Um, uh, I don't know. That's kind. Of, that's kind of been my. That's my sort of philosophy, yeah. and then and then praying as well, doing a lot of praying, and see, like asking God, where do you want me? How do I go forward? I don't know where I can be best served in yeah. many different ways. Man, what do I do? Discernment, you man, know. that's
0: a hard one. Well, mm-hmm. William, you got anything else for our?
2: So uh, as as a, as a Marine yourself, uh, what do you recommend to any, whether, whether officer enlisted when they're coming to Monterey Marine, how can they make the most of this opportunity?
1: Um, I think uh, I would say if you're like, you know, I look around and I see all these guys in Chucks walking around, you know, different, they're, they're officers, they're, I see guys with like their pizza stripe, Lance Corporals going around, I'm like, man, I remember when I was you <laughs> a decade ago. Um, but it's like maybe... Look, look around and see all the other people doing stuff and, you know, ask them, like, how did they get to where they were doing? And you could have that direct interaction with other civilians and realize, like, there is like, you know, outside of the Marine Corps, there also is a world as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it's like, you know, you make the best of what you have at this current point but realize that you can still keep driving forward, you know, outside, or if you want, you know, stay in and retire, but you can still just keep pushing, just keep pushing. Just, you know, the same the same attitudes you have in the fleet, you know, just keep that keep that train on a roll, right? Because you look at all these civilians out there that are doing stuff, and then there's also, like, all these other civilians here that are also in uniform too, that are in a reserve or guard capacity, and that's something that I think I, I wish I would have tapped in more now that I'm back in the guard, but after getting out i wish i would have tapped more into a reserve or a guard status um for a lot of different ways so there's so many different opportunities out there you know and just ask people like how did you get to where you are now kind of thing because a lot of guys um who who get out well especially i mean i can only really talk more for like first timers um who do their four-year contract like like me for example but it's like that that's it's like a it's like a, a cliff to walk off of and people can be very uncertain About going off like what do I do on the other side of this like you know are things as peachy as people make them out to be and you know there's 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 hard things about that too but you know look around and then see what and see what other what works for other people and you know get into that yeah Mm -hmm. awesome appreciate it yeah dude
0: thank you again man for stopping by and oh by Mm -hmm. the way congratulations on your marriage (laughs) oh thank you welcome to the club yeah yeah Yeah. so it's, um, Mm -hmm. it's awesome man so Again, thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure to sit down with you. This has been really great. Yeah, man. please have keep a- doing
2: cool stuff so we yeah. can get
0: more content. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, we'll definitely we'll stay in touch, but have a fun yeah. day today. Absolutely. Thank All you right.
1: so much, Vic, and thanks for uh, picking up the podcast. I love listening to it as well.
2: Thanks so for that, man. Cool. I am We've also heard voices I think it was strong, we such a channel